Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. There are three main components to capacity building. There are other things that you might be able to throw in there, but three main components. And those three components are personnel, systems, laws, and principles. Last week, we covered systems. Systems are very powerful. Systems can either make you or break you. Systems are either good for you or they are dangerous to you, according to the system. It took one night to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get the system of Egypt out of Israel. That's how powerful systems are. There are some systems that have been controlling some people all their lives and have hindered their progress because they're not the right systems. So we declare to you this morning that the kingdom system the government of the kingdom of God is the mother of all systems. It's the best system. It was designed for you and every other system is fraudulent. That is why the scripture tells us that the kingdoms of this world, all the systems of this world, the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. So, we choose to anchor ourselves in the kingdom system. Today, I want to start uh, sharing with you on laws and principles of the second component of capacity building. And uh, that is very important. There's so much information on it that I want to actually share this one over two sessions. Laws and principles. God is interested in us abiding by the laws of the kingdom. It is very, very important that we abide by the laws of the kingdom. God built success into everything that he created according to Dr. Miles Monroe. That's a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. God built success in everything that he created as a God of intent. So God is your creator. That means he built success into you. I don't care what is happening in your life right now. God built success into you when you were created. And it is for you to find the right formula to pull out that success. But it is there in you. And we are determined that we're building our capacity to ensure that that success will be realized. But the success of any product will be realized when you apply the laws and principles that were designed to govern that particular product. We as people were masters 
at applying our made-up laws to products that we want to work our way. We are used to purchasing an item, for example, an electrical item, and we try everything to get that thing to work. Then when it can't work, we go and read the manual to see what the laws are to govern. We don't check the laws first that govern it. We just try over the laws of the kingdom of God were designed to bring the best out of you. That is why we again reiterate that the kingdom system is best for you because it can pull the success out of you in a way that nothing else can pull that success out of you. And we're not talking about just being baptized, you know. That's very important. That's a process. You get born again, get baptized, filled with all God. But we're talking about living by the kingdom principles. It's the principles, the laws of the kingdom that will pull up the success that is in you. God created Adam for success and gave Adam some instructions, laws, that should guide that success. Adam diverted from the instructions of the Lord, from the laws of God, and compromised the success that God intended for his life. We can't uh, see that example before us and then fall into it. It is important, very important, that we be guided by the kingdom principles. So in building capacity, you have to identify the laws that can take you there and put them to work in your life. Because it's not everything that other people practice. You have to practice every style that they have. It's not, it might not work for you. You have to identify what is going to pull out the success out of you. So the foundation of systems are laws, principles, procedures, resources. And uh, we talked about system last time, and so we want to identify a little bit more the laws or the foundation of systems, which is laws, and to show you a little bit more how crucial they are to your development. Laws create boundaries and parameters. Right? Laws create boundaries and parameters. Without boundaries, without parameters, you cannot really measure. You cannot truly measure what is right or what is wrong without boundaries or parameters. Because if there is no law, no boundary that says, I should not walk over there, you can't charge me for trespassing. Without law, there are no boundaries, there are no parameters. And it is very important that we understand that the laws of the kingdom of God creates boundaries, parameters in which we should operate so that we can get the success that God intended for our lives. So you think about something like sowing and reaping. One grain of pea can produce hundreds thousands of grain of people. But somebody have to obey the law of sowing and reaping 
and put that grain in the ground on the right condition for it to produce that kind of weight. If you keep that deep grain on your window ledge, and even if something spout out of it, it will not produce the harvest that God intended. It must be guided. And God is depending on us to ensure that we allow the laws of the kingdom to guide us. God is the one that originated. God originated laws and principles. And this is very important. God originated laws and principles. And if we read Exodus chapter 20, we will see how God himself brought Moses into Mount Sinai and gave him what we call the Ten Commandments. Allow Moses to write them. Always remember that God is a God of intent. And so whenever God gives a law, whenever God gives principles, they are for purpose. He doesn't, he doesn't just give them for no reason. There's always intent behind what God does. So if he gives a law, it is because of your interest why he gave that law. So he created laws for your success, to guide your success, not to control it, but to guide your success. And I want to make the point that prayer and fasting was not intended to bypass the laws or instructions of God. So it is not the case that you don't obey what God tells you to do and then go pray and fast for the miracle. Prayer and fasting as its place was not intended to bypass the laws of God. So some of the things that some people are praying and fasting about, the real answer is for you to go back and obey the last instruction God gave you. Because that's where the breakthrough is. Now, there are many, many, many people, and I'm talking about believers, that believe that God has redeemed us from the law, and the law has no place in our lives today because we're living under grace. And they will go on to say things like the law, the Bible says, the law was our schoolmaster to Christ, that God has redeemed us from the curse of the law, and the law ended with Moses and the Old Testament and all of that. And you have sayings of that nature in the scripture, but often misunderstood. But one of the scriptures that those same people don't quote is where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. But to fulfill. And so we have to make sure we have a balanced understanding of what the scripture says so that we can get the best from the word of God for our life. That we can be properly anchored in the laws of God so we can get the results that God intended for. 
you know, the interesting thing about the kingdom of God is that it's a choice that you have. You choose to obey the laws of God. A society, people have grown to a place, have come to a place that they, they love to be forced to do things. I mean, we have a curfew all around, and if the soldiers are not coming down the street, people don't go in. People take it as a pleasure to wait until the security forces are coming before they run. Like they're playing a game. Now, that's the nature of people today. But with the laws of God, you've got people that have to obey them on your own if you want the success that God intended. And I want to read two scriptures just to point out the importance of the laws of God in our lives today. As I said, some people feel like we've been redeemed from the law and the law has no place. So we want to settle that in the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 31. We're going to read from verse 31. Jeremiah here is prophesying maybe over 700 years before the New Testament actually came. So this prophecy is what you call futuristic because he's prophesying about the days to come. And look at what he said. He said, behold, the days are coming. Not talking about the day that he was living. The days or the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So he's talking about a, a, a different covenant from the one that they were living in. Here it goes on. It says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. So I remain faithful, God the same, but they broke the covenant. But this covenant I'm speaking about is not even according to that. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my what? I will put my law in their minds and write them on and write it on their hearts. I want to remind you, just before we continue reading here, that the word heart, when you see the word heart in the Bible, for the most part, it means spirit. It's not talking about this physical chamber behind your chest. So it's talking about, I'll put it in your system, in your spirit. So he said, I will put my laws. He's talking about the new covenant which is to come. He said, this is how it is intended to operate, that I will put my law, my law in your mind and in your heart, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. I'll be your God, you shall be my people, on the condition that my law is in your heart. He's prophesying, he was prophesying about these days. So we see the foundation of the laws of God in our hearts, in our lives, guiding us is not a coincidence. It is a direct intention of God. 
Let's read Romans chapter 7, verse 7 and verse 12. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Good question, Paul. Is the law sin? Certainly not. Well, if it's not sin, then it has to be right or righteousness. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So right there, again, we're further establishing that there is a place for us to live by the laws of God. It cannot just be that you just do your own thing, or as some people say, you know, you just hear from the Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to people and guides people, but we also know that there are many times when people hear voices that they think is the Holy Spirit, and it turned out not to be. The next verse says, Therefore, the law is holy. Now, if it is holy, that means God owns it. Anything that is holy, God owns it. So if it is of God, that means it is good for us. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. So now we understand that Living by the law is very, very important. Now, the Bible scholars and theologians have agreed over time that the laws that were given in the Old Testament that they call the Mosaic laws, call them the Mosaic laws because they came through Moses. Not that Moses originated them, but Moses was the man that God used to... Um, to give those laws, all right? So theologians and uh, uh, Bible scholars have all agreed on three categories of the law in the Old Testament, which I believe will bring far more light to the understanding of laws. There are three different categories of laws in the Old Testament. The first set of laws is the civil laws. They were given the civil laws. Then there were the moral laws. And then we have the ceremonial, uh, ceremonial laws. Let's start with the ceremonial laws. The ceremonial laws were very interesting because the ceremonial laws, this type of law, was directly related to Israel's worship, right? The ceremonial law, this type of law was directly related to Israel, Israel's worship. Right? You can read more about that in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 through 13, and continue. The ceremonial laws pointed to Jesus Christ and were no longer necessary after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because they were pointing us towards Jesus. So once Jesus came, there was no more need for the ceremonial 
laws. So we're not longer, we're not any longer bound by the ceremonial laws, but as I said, the principle, God always have intended what he's doing, the principle behind those laws can still serve our interest as far as guidance, because the idea was to get people close to God and to worship God. But the fact that Jesus is here, the process would have changed. And this is where I get, I get myself in a little trouble with the, my Sabbath friends. Because this is where there's some misunderstanding as it relates to the laws from the Old Testament. Because many of the laws that some people propose today are ceremonial laws. It's not that they were not given to Moses and were not put into place, but certain laws were our schoolmaster to Christ. So no need to continue with some of those. So the ceremonial laws would speak to the festivals, laws of atonement, offerings, priestly duties, and all that kind of stuff. So this is the kind of law that would speak to the priest going in on behalf of the people once a year to represent the people before God. The priest alone being able to go into the Holy of Holies. But with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the new covenant enacted, the priest don't go in on our behalf anymore. In fact, we have been made kings and priests. So we go in to the Holy of Holies for ourselves to interact with God. Aren't you grateful for that? That we can walk into the Holy of Holies like we did this morning and say, Lord, I love you. We place you, Lord, on the highest place because you are the great high priest. We worship you and adore you. Incredible, awesome God. And I have transmission from the high priest into the great high priest into your life. So that speaks to the, the, the ceremonial laws. Sometimes you will find legislators and, and governments sometimes adjusting what we call the, the letter of the law, but the intent still remains. And I say that to remind you that there are two sides to, to, to law. There is the letter of the law, which is the written document, and there is the spirit of the law, which is the intent. So sometimes the letter of the law might change. That's nothing unusual. But the spirit of the law is what is even more important. So you will find people going to a parliament and they, they, they change because they think certain laws are outdated. So it was intended to deter a certain crime, but in the society that we live now, adjustments have to be made. Now, notice where you really have serious problems is when they try to change the intent, the spirit of the law. So if they, when they try to change the the abortion law, so to speak, to make it legal. You're changing the intent of the law. That's where the problem comes in. Notice the kind of resistance. 
It's the difference between the intent of the law and the, the, the letter of the law. I want to take a look at the civil laws. Just explain a few things here about the civil laws and then we'll go on into the moral laws. Uh, civil law dictated uh, Israel's daily living. Deuteronomy chapter 24 speaks to that. The civil law dictated Israel's daily living. You see, modern society and culture are so radically different today that some of the civil laws that Israel practice has no place today in terms of the letter of the law. As I said, the principles behind the law might be still relevant, but then the letter. In fact, the, the civil law in Israel used to deal with disputes between individuals. And in those days, they would have places like cities of refuge, that if people commit certain crime, they would be sent to the cities of refuge to stay until a resolution was brought as it relates to those crimes. They don't quite operate that way today. So most, for the most part, the civil laws expired with the demise of that kind of culture and uh, government. So the civil law would deal with uh, things like how you treat the poor, death, uh, divorce, some aspects of divorce was according to the civil laws. And you see, these are so very important that we understand because sometimes we just jump on something in the New Testament and say, the Bible says this, and, and, and you don't understand the root of it. That is why you would find statements sometimes like God said, Jesus said, Moses said this, but I say, because the original position of Elohim was not really that, or the intent might be the same, but that's not how it was intended to function. I hope I'm not losing him. <laughs> the whole thing of even kidnapping and all of that is not something new because those were dealt with in the civil laws in Israel in those days. And then we come to the moral laws, which are very important. The moral laws, these are direct commands from God and they are the laws that we should pay more attention to uh, and, and try to follow to the best of our ability. The moral laws. As I said, these three categories speaks to the, 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 all the different laws, but just put them in perspective. And a good example of the moral laws would be the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, where Moses gave those commandments. Now, if you examine those commandments carefully, you will find that the, the principles that God intended to be with man, the laws that God intended to be with man throughout the, the age of man. The interesting thing about the moral laws is that the moral laws represent or reveal 
the nature and character and will of God and still apply to us today. Now, because God always has a nature and a character and a will, these laws, if you go back to Genesis, the earlier part of Genesis, like Genesis 1 and 2, you'll find most of these laws in effect some way or, or the other. These are laws that God intended for us to live by all the days of our lives. As I said, they represent the nature and character of God. And watch this. When God created man in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. The word image and likeness there means nature and character. And these moral laws represent the nature and character of God. So if God created man with his nature and his character, so we can represent him, that means that whatever represents his nature and character, we are supposed to be displaying throughout our lives. That means that the moral laws would be a part of what we do if we receive the nature and character of God. And it is so interesting because remember when Adam sinned, he lost the nature of God. So mankind has been born with the sin Adamic nature since then. But Jesus came, died, rose again, was ascended so that when we receive Jesus Christ, we can have that new nature the nature of God. We've got the life of God in me, God is love, his nature, and his ability. Second Corinthians chapter 5. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That means he has a new nature. All things are passed away, and all things become new. So, unlike the ceremonial, uh, ceremonial and the civic laws, the moral laws have no expiration. Because they were based on the nature and character of God. These laws deal with, th deals with things like idolatry, loving your neighbor, love God, those kinds of stuff. Uh, the, the, the moral laws deal with those things. The ceremonial laws were given, uh, the ceremonial laws and the civil laws were given after the fall of man and before the Messiah came, which is important. They were direct response to sin. They were given after the fall of man. God gave Moses these laws to deal with the sin issue. And they went up to the time of Messiah. As once Messiah came, they were no longer in place. So, in other words, they were stopgap measures. Because once Messiah came and we would be under grace, there would be no need for those laws. 
but yet there will be a need for them after the fall of man and Messiah never came as yet. So there would be a need for them in that space so that man could have some sort of interaction or representation with God. In other words, God made sure he never left us without hope. The principle and objective still stand and God wants us to pay attention to his word, his law, so we can become all, all that he intended for us to be. So when we talk about the laws of God, when being a component of capacity building, we're not talking about the ceremonial, we're not talking about the civic laws, but we're not into religious ideologies of playing this game as it relates to who is right and who is wrong and all that kind of stuff. No, we're talking about things that will guide your success. We're talking about laws that if you choose not to live by, you will make that choice at your own peril. Because no other law can bring the best out of you. In fact, our, our interactions with people, our ministry are many times not seasoned with grace and we wonder why. It's not about the tone that you put on and put on that caused the grace to come over. It's not when you pray you have to come up with a certain tone and use words almost holy, righteous, Father. That's not what caused the grace to come from you to people when you interact with them. It is when you abide by the laws and principles of the kingdom and the very nature of God and God your system that when you interact, it is going to come out and bring grace to the heirs. That's why there's some people that you wouldn't mind being in their presence all day. There's some other folks that you say, give me the money and let me go. Not that you don't love, but the grace that comes from someone. But it don't happen just because your name is John and there was a John the Baptist. That's not because it to happen. It's because of how you interact with God, because interacting with the laws of God brings you into the nature of God, which brings you into constant fellowship with God. And then he begins to flow in and through your life. It doesn't make sense. It is not going to benefit you for you to live your life serving God and don't have a proper testimony at the end of it. It is not right for you to serve God for 40 years and then can't sell the kingdom to your children and your grandchildren. We're going to change that. So today, we're setting the foundation as it relates to the laws and principles of the kingdom have been fully equipped in our lives. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.com.